0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So um, if you haven't been with us before, besides the uh, the Dharma talk, we have Eve Decker, who's a wonderful um, Dharma teacher, singer, songwriter, um, uh, wisdom woman who will uh, share a song uh, with us uh, at the beginning and, and something to close as well, um, perhaps on the, the theme of the evening. I, I don't know what she has in store yet, but uh, Eve, why don't you take it away, unmute yourself.
1: Okay. Hi, everybody. Can you hear me okay?
0: Uh, it's a little... It's a little low. Oh, well, maybe. Okay. Maybe I'm a little low. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm on a different computer tonight, okay. so I might I might not have quite the audio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so James told me that tonight, as he mentioned before, that we'll be talking about you know emotions that can come up as we work with our own and the, us white folks as we can as we work with our own startled nervous systems around the ways in which we may have unconsciously been participating in behaviors that have been causing harm. And, um, and I thought about a song that I wrote oh, 10 years ago called, Sand Makes a Pearl. And uh, the sand being pain. And the teaching that we get in the Dharma is to use our mindfulness to turn toward pain and not just mindfulness, but also a befriending quality, a a, a sense of emotional warmth. It really like any kind of, any kind of pain, whether it's, you know, you know, shame, (laughs) uh, merited or not, or guilt or, grief, or rage, or fear, anxiety, any of that whole pantheon of difficult emotions, when they rise, uh, we can meet them with self-blame, or other blame, or these are strategies that that really keep us on the hamster wheel of pain. Or we can meet them with awareness and warmth, deep, deep, loving kindness. And we, we get that from our sangha and sangha is essential, but we can also provide that for ourselves. So we do it with just holding ourselves with so much care as we feel whatever comes up as we travel this journey together. So um, this is the song, <laughs> Sand Makes a Pearl.
2: Rounded by a shell This armor Doesn't keep the sand Out well With this feeling in here What are you gonna do?
1: Will you curse
2: The very water That you come from? Will you curse The very water that you live in, will you curse this water? Sand everywhere, sand as far as the sea is blue, sand right here in the middle of you, sand in the middle of so much to be grateful for, scraping and chafing and keeping me reaching out, miracles all around, but this raw egg, nothing more than this right now, there's no mistake, stay here God's sand will make no one to blame the ocean is innocent this is the sea this is the scene we were born in
3: if hiding and
2: hating contracting and blaming worked we'd all been free long ago it's not that the wise ones never hurt It's that they know something we need to know They're throwing a left line Saying stay in the present Knowing this moment and being kind Is how we transcend it Stay here We'll stay right here Time makes a Right here, right now, with just what you've got, Sam, will make a pearl love. Thank
0: you, Eve. Mm-mm. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um wanted to continue these um these weeks as i said we've been looking at them uh the last three weeks and uh, i'm gonna mute people hold on a second uh we've been looking the last three weeks at um race and particularly white privilege. And I, I know not everyone uh, is white on this call. Um, so I uh, hope you can um, just be graciously spacious uh, and, uh, and be along with us and, and witness and cheer us on. Uh, and whatever your experience is, is what your experience is. And I hope it's useful for you. And as I've, I've said the last few weeks, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just learning. Uh, so I don't profess to, um, to be an expert on any of this. I'm just, uh, although I've taken some a few diversity trainings over the years, and uh, it's something that is important to me. Um, I have a whole other, uh, incentive like many of us and just really motivated to educate myself uh, more than ever. Uh, and I just want to say at the outset that, you know, as, as I'm putting this out that um, I make mistakes, we might, anyone might make mistakes and, uh, and I apologize in advance if uh, our conversation uh, doesn't land well for you or um, activates you in some way or triggers you. Um, There's so much pain over the generations and and centuries that um, this is, this subject by its very nature um, is messy and uncomfortable often. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, today, really great podcast, by the way, I highly recommend 10% Happier there uh, podcasts in recent uh, recent weeks, um, and uh, it was this um, Dharma teacher from Minneapolis, Shelley Graff, talking about um, whiteness and what and how we can all awaken to our whiteness. And she said, uh, if if she wasn't making people comfortably uh, comfortable, uh, if she was making people comfortable, uh, then it was, she was probably playing it too safe, but that it can be messy and uncomfortable. Uh, I don't want to make you feel unsafe, but just that uh, the more we wake up and get out of our comfort zone, uh, by very nature, it will be uncomfortable. Uh, so uh, I hope we can all hold this in goodwill. And uh, to start off, particularly um, since tomorrow is uh, Juneteenth, the celebration of um, uh, the end of slavery, official end of slavery that uh, Black people um, celebrate. Uh, I wanted to share a short clip uh, that somebody played me uh, recently. It was from a Dharma talk. They had listened, they had heard me, and I played this a couple of years ago And And I said, oh yeah, that's a great clip. And I want to play it again because when I heard it, I was so moved by Martin Luther King. Um, It's just one minute, uh, but I hope this can be the spirit that we can all hold um, our conversation and uh, our personal exploration. So I'm just going to pull it up. And um, it's just an audio Let's see if I can get this. Here it is. This is in uh, 1967.
3: <clears throat>
0: Oops. Hang on. Uh, Well, got the wrong, uh, hold on, hidden, here it is. Uh, uh, hold on, I blew, I blew the- uh, Martin Luther King. Uh, hold on, gotta get back to where I was. I've, hold uh, on. Sorry. I'm sorry. His press, but just to- Here it is, coming up.
3: I say to you, I've also decided to stick with love. I know that love is ultimately the only answer to mankind's problems. And I'm going to talk about it everywhere I go. I know it isn't popular to talk about it in some circles today. I'm not talking about emotional bosh when I talk about love. I'm talking about a strong, demanding love. And I have seen too much hate. I've seen too much hate on the faces of sheriffs in the South. I've seen hate on the faces of too many Klansmen and too many white citizens, counselors in the South to want to hate myself. Because every time I see it, I know that it does something to their faces and their personalities. And I say to myself that hate is too great a burden to bear. I have decided to love it.
0: Hate is too great a burden to bear. I've decided to stick with love. So um, I hope that can be the, uh, the space of goodwill that we meet tonight and also uh, that we keep in mind as we... Um, as we keep on deepening our understanding of of this process and this issue. So I've been mentioning, I think I've mentioned the last couple of weeks, I've been hanging out with this book, White Fragility, by Robin DiAngelo. Um, The subtitle is, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism. And uh, it, it was given to me by a uh, um, Black Dharma teacher, who I have tremendous respect for. And she said, this is really important. I, I really want you to, to read this. And uh, it's a powerful book. And it does stir one up, but it's in a good way. Just expanding one's uh, perspective, I read a little bit, I think, before from it, but I want to read a little bit more, just so that we understand and I want to get get it um, right, just how she 's presenting and, and she is uh, she's white by the way, and there's a also a um, uh, a YouTube talk of uh, an hour and a half uh, talk with this title, White Fragility, where she gives a presentation. This is what she says. White people in North America live in a society that is deeply separate and unequal by race. And white people are the beneficiaries of that separation and inequality. As a result, we're insulated from racial stress. At the same time, that we come to feel entitled to and deserving of our advantage. Given how seldom we experience racial discomfort in a society we dominate, we haven't had to build our racial stamina socialized into a deeply internalized sense of superiority that we either are unaware of or can never admit to ourselves, we become highly fragile in conversations about race. We consider a challenge to our racial worldviews as a challenge to our very identities as good moral people. Thus, we perceive any attempt to connect us to the system of racism as an unsettling and unfair moral offense. The smallest amount of racial stress is intolerable. The mere suggestion that being white has meaning, that being white has meaning often triggers a range of defensive responses. These include emotions such as anger, fear, and guilt, and behaviors such as argumentation, silence, and withdrawal, from the stress inducing situation. These responses work to reinstate white equilibrium as they repel the challenge, return our racial comfort and maintain our dominance within the racial hierarchy. I conceptualize this process as white fragility. Now just even hearing those words, just notice how they land for you. Is it, oh yeah, that makes sense. Or is there a place inside and there's no right or wrong in this. I I really want to stress that whatever your experience is, is just what your experience is. And so to really be authentic within yourself, just what comes up for you, Because words have power and their, um, their impact has to do with what our, our conditioning is. And so words like white fragility or white privilege, just notice how some of these land for you, white privilege. racist white supremacy notice what it's like in your body right now even more than in your mind or in your heart i've been listening to somebody i think we mentioned it here last last week uh, this really um, uh, wise uh, thinker, explorer on this uh, fellow named Resme uh, Menachem, who wrote a book called My Grandmother's Hands. Um, and um, he's also on a, no, I listened to a, a um, podcast with Krista Tippett on being with him. Really, really excellent resma r e s m a a Menachem m e n a k e m by the way he also has a free uh, course a free five uh, five part course on um, on racism and trauma so he's a trauma expert um, a somatic experiencing um, practitioner and a psychologist who's worked with veterans uh, in, from Afghanistan and through the wars. And his, his approach is that our racial bias and conditioning is in the body, that even though you might have all kinds of lofty ideas or feeling that um, that you are not subject to... Um, the society's conditioning, your body doesn't lie. And if there's a, a reaction, a contraction, to keep on noticing that, he's, he's really masterful in how he points out, points all of this out. And if there's defensiveness in the body or guilt or shame reaction, working with those reactions, it's really useful information, important information, not anything to feel ashamed about that you have those reactions, but to understand the conditioning that you are subject to. And before I get into shame around this topic, I wanted to just for a moment look at what the Buddha said about shame and see the difference in the way that it's being used there there are um as you might know in buddhism there are wholesome mental factors and unwholesome mental factors wholesome mental factors kusala are factors are uh, mental qualities that are uh, lead to well-being and oh, like love and generosity and compassion and um uh equanimity, beautiful qualities of the heart. And then there are unwholesome mental factors, hatred, um, jealousy, wanting, uh, confusion, all of those. There are two wholesome mental factors that uh, that have a, that it's kind of curious, you might think that they're in the wholesome list They're called in Pali hiri and otapam, hiri, H-I-R-I, and otapam, O-T-T-A-P-P-A. And they're usually translated as moral shame and moral dread. And these are wholesome mental factors. The Buddha calls them the guardians of the world. There's a a beautiful... um, Uh, Essay by Bhikkhu Bodhi, uh, Guardians of the World, um, on these two factors, Hiri and Otapam. And Hiri, shame, is that place inside of us that knows when we are acting out of alignment with our values. It's the, the place in us that knows when you're off. And otapam, dread, is realizing what the consequences of your actions might be. And particularly something about it that has always struck me just thinking of what people who you want to respect you would feel if they found out that you're acting out of alignment but in general, consequences of our actions. And these are two wholesome states that they're guardians because they put the brakes on unskillful actions and they, they don't get us into more trouble than we already are causing for ourselves. And we have a name for them. Uh, we, we call them conscience. And it's a good thing that we're wired up like that. So this kind of shame is a wholesome kind of shame where we're, we're feeling, mm, I don't know about this action is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm about to do or that I'm doing. It just doesn't feel right. We might go ahead and do it anyway, and then we'll get otapam, the, the dread, the, the consequence of that. But he says, this is a good, these are good qualities. Now, the kind of shame that might come up as you hear different words, like white fragility or white privilege, um, it's a different kind of shame. Because this kind of shame is not about what, what I've done. It's a, a feeling of understanding what we are all a part of. We're swimming in this, this pool of conditioning that we don't even realize. And so when there's, there's the hairy kind of shame. It's like, Ooh, I don't know Mm, if I'm, if I do that, I'm not going to feel good about myself. But this other one, this shame that comes when you hear or guilt that comes when you hear about white privilege or, uh, the, the systemic, um, racism, um, is a whole other level where it's not about so much about me and that I'm a bad person, but it's acknowledging the conditioning that we are all subject to. And I, I wanted to um, read a couple of other pieces from this white fragility book, particularly around words that can trigger us, words like racist and uh, white supremacy. As it's being used these days by um, by people who are exploring deeply in, into this topic, and again, just notice how this lands for you. Let's see if I can find the pages. I might have read some of this uh, last week, but I'll uh, bear with me if it's uh, if it's a repeat. First around the word racist or racism. Racism is a system of advantage based on race. Racism differs from individual racial prejudice and racial discrimination in the historical accumulation and ongoing use of institutional power and authority to support the prejudice and to systematically enforce discriminatory behaviors with far-reaching effects. People of color may also hold prejudices and discriminate against white people, but they lack the social and institutional power that transforms their prejudice and discrimination into racism the impact of their prejudice on whites is temporary and contextual. Whites hold the social and institutional positions in society to infuse their racial prejudice into the laws, policies, practices, and norms of society in a way that people of color do not. A person of color may refuse to wait on me if I enter a shop but people of color cannot pass legislation that prohibits me and everyone like me from buying a home in a certain neighborhood. When I say that only whites can be racist, I mean that in the United States, only whites have the collective social and institutional power and privilege over people of color. People of color do not have this power and privilege over white people. So I hope that unpacks it a little bit. But if you heard the sentence just out of context, only whites can be racist. You might say, well, hold on a moment. If you're not really going into the the power dimensions, the systemic dimensions of this, so that's one word that I, I hope as you're kind of, as you're hearing these words, that you can kind of go deeper than the instinctual reaction that you might have to them. I want to do one more, and this is white supremacy, which is a really loaded term. We live in a society of white supremacy now maybe a year ago if i heard that or that i am a white supremacist by nature of the fact that i whether or not conscious or unconscious am part of this advantaged situation so this is white supremacy white supremacy is more than the idea that whites are superior to people of color it is the deeper premise that supposes this idea the definition of whites as the norm or standard for human for human and people of color as a deviation from that norm People in. Naming white supremacy changes the conversation in two key ways. In two key ways. It makes the system visible and shifts the focus of change onto white people where it belongs. It also points us in the direction of the lifelong work that is uniquely ours, challenging our complicity with an investment in racism. This does not mean that people of color do not play a part, but that the full weight of responsibility rests with those who control the institutions." And as I was looking at this, she had some some statistics from 2016 to 2017, particularly these. mm, The U.S. Congress is 90% white, U.S. governor's 96% white. Current U.S. presidential cabinet, 91% white. People who decide what TV shows we see are 93% white. People who decide which news is covered is 85% white. People who decide which music is produced is 95% white. People who directed the 100 top grossing films of all time worldwide are 95% white. So that's just a few of these. That's how our media, information is mediated through that white lens. And when you understand it in that way, how could we not be subject to all the conditioning that we take in? So this is where the Dharma is really helpful in holding this all because we're moving away from the personal oh i'm a bad person or i've done something wrong to simply seeing we are as the buddha said all products of causes and conditions and when you have that perspective instead of contracting and imploding or being defensive or or getting caught up in your guilt and shame that makes you wanna run the other way or afraid to open your mouth, um, then it's just something that we all need to wake up to and to unlearn that conditioning. So this systemic racism, we're all a part of it. And then when we can see, oh, I don't want to be blindly manipulated by things that don't even feel right or that I believe in, then the defensiveness can be replaced with curiosity and with wanting to wake up from our delusion I mean, that's why you do Dharma practice, isn't it? I'm I'm assuming you're all here because you want to wake up and grow. Well, this is where the rubber meets the road, as they say. And it starts with feeling the pain right inside of ourselves, how those words impact you or how your conditioning impacts you. And... What feelings need to be accepted and held with compassion and held with understanding and held not with blame, but with um, uh, true uh, forgiveness and uh, a compassionate understanding. Then you can start to understand, begin to understand because your walls aren't so up. Imagine what the, pain of somebody who is on the receiving end of that conditioning is we only get uncomfortable when we get triggered a little bit and then then we don't feel safe you know you might for a moment think of here let's let's try this this is something by the way tara brock has a beautiful um talk recently that uh that i'm i'm borrowing something from it's from the last week or so it was something like The Courage to Face Racism it's really beautiful um, and this is one thing that she, she asked people to do just close your eyes for a moment and check this out and remember a time when you haven't belonged when you felt you don't belong or you felt unsafe in some way. You felt marginalized. Might be from when you were a little kid, might be more recently. It's probably all of us have those times when we didn't quite fit in or belong. me i'm remembering going to camp when i was in my teens and i i just didn't fit in i was a year younger and i and i just a different different from everyone except for a couple of other kids in the bunk it was painful just remember for you when you didn't belong and how it felt perhaps not feeling safe or accepted. Now, imagine that as a constant where you don't feel safe in most mm, activities outside of your your good friends. When you go into a bank or you go into a store or you go into a crowd. Imagine what that would be like. White privilege is having the luxury of not living in constant state of unsafety. Just imagine that. Okay, you can open your eyes. So um, as you start to then imagine or begin to imagine, you can't really know completely, then uh, you see that that we're all harmed by this systemic racism and that um, it benefits all of us to wake up to it. Obama, this is a, a quote from Obama after George Floyd. He said, the knee on the neck is a metaphor for how the system so cavalierly holds black folks down, ignoring their cries for help. The knee on the neck is a metaphor for how the system so cavalierly holds black folks down, ignoring their cries for help. And now we're starting to hear those cries. And I sense there, there is a real possibility here for some shift. Uh, and then as we become more and more tuned into how this affects everyone, then we need to find ways to respond, how we can be part of, um, part of the solution. Uh, and to find ways to contribute as, as uh, I just was reading a a, a piece by this athlete, uh, a pro football player who retired after 11 years, Joe Thomas. And he said, and he's just been waking up. And he says, he's realizing it's not enough to be not racist. We need to be anti-racist. So, with that in mind, uh, I thought what we could do for a little while um, is to have some breakout groups, and I hope that you're, you don't flee uh, out of discomfort, but in I wanna uh, have us um, be in groups of three, and the way that we can start to explore this is to see our own conditioning So these are the reflections, and we'll we'll maybe take about 15 minutes uh, for it. I'd like you once again to go inside, and instead of getting caught in in guilt or shame, uh, that we're waking up to our own conditioning means there's no blame, there's no shame. It's just how experience has shaped our being and let me ask you to reflect on what has been your conditioning you might think of some moments or um, uh, a whole sense of uh, conditioning that's shaped you with regard to race whether it's about your own privilege or natural mm, assumptions of advantage or how you respond when there's someone who's different from you, you don't know them. Not to blame yourself, but what is it in the body And where might that have come from? Mm. Not to analyze too much, but just to acknowledge and hold it with great kindness. No blame, just understanding. How can you hold your conditioning in in a loving way? So we only have a few a few moments um before it's nine o'clock and uh, and Eve has a song as well. Um maybe we could just take one or two comments, particularly if you haven't if you don't usually um uh share and there's something that came up that was um that was useful to um to share with anyone you can just take a couple of comments if you want you can raise your hand either um yeah belinda oh hi you're belinda who we were just on uh met on the walk
4: <laughs> yeah that's me hi great
0: hi i, I made was it.
4: i was in a i was in the room with uh jane too <laughs> Oh. <laughs> i i felt like i felt like each of our quad of people had A a strong emotional reality around this topic in a really unresolved way. I think we all shared this messy, like not, not clear or not finished and even not very individual though. And I just really thought that was important to say because... I'm experiencing it in, in my job as well. People just don't know what to do to move forward with their interpersonal, their community, their their work to to be in a really good, safe space. I think with and being an ally, if that's what you choose to be, mm-hmm. so I, I, it, that's where I'm at. That's what I felt. I heard. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's useful to see that there's unresolved stuff. And, and now as it comes into more consciousness, there's movement there. So, um, like I said, if it's uncomfortable, well, and you can hold the, the discomfort with, with spaciousness and compassion, uh, then, then it can be processed. So thank you. And if others got stirred up or got in touch with stuff, you know, let it percolate. We'll do a, a little bit of, of compassion holding it before we before we close, and maybe uh, w- one last hand. Uh, a- Andrea, you have your raised hand, and then we'll we'll close. You have your. All right.
4: So I just wanted to show this article by Corrine. Shutak, S-H-U-T-A-C-K.
0: Thing, 75 things white people can do for racial justice. Yes, that is a great article. So um, there it is. Seven, hold it up again. Real close. 75 things, a little bit further back, white people can do for racial justice. Thank you. Where
4: can it be found?
0: Mm-hmm. I think if you can ju- you just Google it. Uh, who's the author? Oh, Kareen. Sch- S-H-U-T-A-C-K. Thank you. Uh, also, um, there is here's a, a list that Oren Sofer, one of our um, Uh, Spirit Rock teachers put together about 10 things white people can do in case you're wondering, well, what can I do? I'll just read them very quickly. Educate yourself. Two, discuss anti-racism. Three, talk to your kids about racism. Or talk to your faith leader, whoever that is. Five, get involved with local or national organizations that, that are fighting racial just, for racial justice. Six, contact your elected officials. Seven, grieve with other white people. Eight, speak out about racism. Nine, take cues from black people. And 10, take care of your heart. So um, let's just take care of our heart for one moment and put your hand on your heart. Okay? if you will, and whatever is going on for you, just a few moments of self-compassion. Oh, notice what you're going through. Know that you're not alone. And just hold whatever your feelings are with lots of compassion. It's just being human. And be very tender with it, not taking it personally, not blaming yourself, but seeing we're all part of this and we all can be part of um, moving forward in the solution to... Okay, so Eve, you have one, one song for us to go out? So, yeah.
1: So... um. I just want to bring us back to the beauty of our intention and that uh, there's, a, there's a line from an African-American song in history, keep your eyes on the prize, and we, we move through this muck because our hearts are beautiful and we want freedom for all beings, and that's what the dedication of merit is, so we'll do that. <laughs>
2: May every living being, our minds as one and radiant with light, share the fruits of peace with hearts of goodness, luminous and bright, if people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving unity, may our minds awake to great compassion, wisdom, and to joy. May kindness find reward may all who sorrow leave our grief and pain may this boundless light meet the darkness of our sacred nights because our hearts are one this world of pain turns into... Paradise, may all become compassionate and wise, may all become compassionate
0: and wise. Thank you, Eve. Oh, just a final dedication. They are coming here together. Help bring us more consciousness and understanding and compassion for our conditioning and for all people's conditioning. May we wake up through that understanding and share our love well and our caring well. May all know safety. All beings know safety. May all learn to love themselves and share their light with everyone. And may our coming together be for the benefit of all beings, human and non-human and for the planet.